0: This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter with Josh Cumpston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. This is Gordon Teeson, along with my co-host, Josh Cumpston. Today we'll be playing a portion of a message from Chad Haygood. He's a senior pastor at Grace Fellowship Church in Hastings, Nebraska. Recently, he spoke to our seniors as we had a senior retreat from the Nebraska Christian Schools. Josh, do you want to just take a minute before we hear the message and talk a little bit about the school year coming up as we're, we're taping this? The school year has just just started at Nebraska Christian Schools, and it might be good just to touch base on some of the activities, some of the things that are happening at Nebraska Christian Schools, which is in just near Central City, Nebraska.
1: Yeah, Gordon. Our school year has started. The kids are back. It's good to have everybody here. The other night we had a soap scrimmage with our football team and our cross-country team ran, and we had a carnival for our elementary students, and it was just great to be back fellowshipping with our families and the communities that we have here at Nebraska Christian. We had our seniors out. As you've mentioned, we were out at Covenant Cedar. That was a great way to start the year, get them to think about what they are as far as as leaders and servants here on campus at Nebraska Christian for our younger students and for their friends who maybe don't attend Nebraska Christian, how they can really be role models and examples to others and how they can use their relationships intentionally to further the kingdom. You know, the other thing coming up is we will have a spiritual emphasis day, and that is for our seventh graders all the way to 12th grade we will meet in the morning we'll hear three sermons and then in the afternoon we will do some school team building activities and so we do have new students here and we will try to pull them in with our other students and they will get a chance to work and to laugh and to learn and just get a chance to know each other and that really helps to set up our year and build upon our relationships and community.
0: Well with that we're going to go to the message by Chad Haygood.
2: If I'm honest with you all when I look back at my high school years, I, I, I just see a lot of wasted time. I see things I got caught up in, things I was passionate about, the things I got upset about, the things I was motivated by, and, and I just see a lot of wasted time in my, in my high school years. And I would say regret, but I don't think that's a good word to, to use. There are just things that I, I would definitely have done differently if I could live, live that period of life over again. And so I want to encourage you to not waste this year. Don't waste this year in a way that you'll look back 12 years post high school, like I am now, I've been out of high school now for 12 years, that you'll look back and say, man, why did, why did I worry about such, such seemingly trivial things? Why did I worry about this and that? And why did I get upset about some of those things? And, and the only way to guard our hearts against that it's to center them on what matters, is to center your heart on what is important, what what cannot be wasted, and that's to center your heart on Christ and on Jesus. And so, that's what I'm trying to call us all to do today. That's, that's my aim for these the three times that I get to speak to you and preach to you is going to we're going to look at God's word and we're going to talk about centering our hearts on Jesus. And we're going to do that, and I'll go ahead and give you the, the three things we're going to be talking about today. One, we have to do that first by, by comprehending the gospel. We've got to comprehend the gospel. And that's going to be the, the entire thing of, of this first thing we're going to talk about this morning is going to be comprehending the gospel. Because the way that we are going to grow in our affection for Christ, the way that we're going to set Christ before us is to do that through the Gospel. And so we, we, need, to, we need to know in our minds and, and comprehend with our minds and with our affections the truth of the Gospel. So this first section is all going to be on the Gospel. So if you've got your Bible, if you would take it and, and open it, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be looking at just a couple of sentences from the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be looking at chapter 2. And what we're going to devote our attention to is Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through ten. But we're going to begin actually by reading all of verses one through ten, and then we'll we'll look into this. So let's read Ephesians chapter two, verses one through ten. It says, "And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked." Being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, these ten verses are really ten of my favorite verses in all of the Bible because I think that they very succinctly and pointedly and clearly Talk to us about salvation, particularly about the gospel. One very loud thing that this text screams at us very clearly and, and very loudly about salvation and about the gospel is that salvation is a supernatural and radical change of life. This text yells that to us. If we we would have ears to hear, we would hear this ringing in this passage of Scripture that salvation is a supernatural and radical change of life. Salvation, it radically changes our heart, mind, and will And therefore, it it changes our actions. It changes everything about us. It changes our being. Salvation does. And unfortunately, this is what so many people miss today. So many believe that they become a Christian or they became a Christian because of something they did. and, And now, because they are a Christian, what they're seeking is just what I call moral reformation. Just modified behavior. Just to change some of their actions. They're trying to do all that they know to do. Read their Bibles, pray, go to church, go to school, do whatever it is. And they're thinking, I know that I'm supposed to have joy in in all of this. When I go to church, when I read my Bible and I pray. I know that I should have joy in worship to God and even around God's people. But in reality, for a lot of people, that's just not the case. There's no joy in it. There's no life in it. There's no passion about it. They simply can't do it. In one sense, there are so many who simply can't feel like a Christian. Can't feel that love for God and that love for His Word and that love for prayer and that love for God's people. Maybe they can talk like one or even attempt to act like one, but they, they can't have joy in Christ because there is just simply no life in them. And that's what Paul in in some senses is is really addressing here by just saying that listen salvation, it radically alters your life through your mind and your heart and your will so that those things are different. So that there is true joy and passion and zeal about these things. And it's this salvation that Paul is summing up in this last paragraph that we're going to be looking at here in Ephesians chapter 2. The verses that we're going to look at are just verses 8 through 10. And Paul, he's, he's summing up in this small paragraph this idea of salvation, and particularly he's summing up the Gospel. Some people have, have even said that this short paragraph in verse 8, "...for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing." It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Some have said that that short paragraph is the heart of Paul's Gospel. The Apostle Paul, he said that the Gospel was the most important thing. It was the thing of first importance. It was the preeminent truth to him. And here, many have said that this small paragraph is the heart of Paul's gospel. These three sentences, they, they summarize much of what Paul teaches in, in all of his letters. And if you can get this paragraph down, if you can understand this paragraph, and if you can believe this paragraph that you are saved by grace and not by yourself, then I assure you, your your world will be turned upside down. Your life will be radically altered. You will be changed. The way that you look at the Bible will be different. The way that you live your life will be different. The Apostle Paul knows this. God surely knows this. And that's why he's taking this time, Paul is spending the effort to nail this down. God and Paul and, and I want you to know and understand and meditate upon the truth of the Gospel. That you are saved by grace and not by your works. And that's what these... Three sentences are talking about. You may have noticed as we read these sentences, these sentences they really they really say a lot, don't they? I mean, I, I would imagine that perhaps maybe even some here have these verses memorized. Does anybody does anybody know these verses by heart? These sentences say a lot. And I, I believe they they particularly say four things about salvation that we're going to talk about. Four things about salvation and about the Gospel that clearly illustrate the Gospel to us that we need to nail down. Number one, the ground of salvation. Number two, the means of salvation. Number three, the stumbling blocks of salvation. And then number four, the outcome of salvation. Four things. And we're going to talk about all four of those from these verses. The ground, the means, the stumbling blocks and the outcome. All of those illustrated in just these three packed full, I like to say pregnant sentences because they have so much in them. First, the ground of salvation. What is the ground of salvation? Well, we see it easily in verse 8. It jumps right off the page at us. For by what? Grace. For by grace you have been saved. The ground of salvation is grace. We, we need to know that, that salvation, it is, it is rooted in something. It's grounded in something. It has a foundation. And that something is the grace of God. For by grace, you have been saved. Grace is obviously extremely important. And if it's the foundation of our salvation, if it's the root, if it's the ground of our salvation. But what, is, what does grace mean? We like to think about grace. We, we talk about grace. We name our kids grace. I mean, it's a popular word. But what does it really mean? Particularly, what does it mean in the Bible? What does it mean biblically well grace is simply defined as this very important for you to understand write this down grace is god's unmerited favor toward those who deserve wrath grace is god's unmerited favor toward those who deserve Wrath. You see, as these verses that we read before, verses 1 through 10, they tell us that before grace, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Apart from grace, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Without grace, we are following the course of this world means we're, just, we're swimming in the stream of worldliness and secularism. We're, we're swimming in the stream. We're, we're, we're floating along the stream of godlessness and, and carnality and sin following the course of this world. Without grace, we are children of wrath. It means we're the object of God's divine displeasure. We're not the objects of His love. We're the objects of His, His anger against sin. Without grace, we're not in Christ. We're in sin. Without grace, we are helpless and we're hopeless and we are unable to come to God. We're unable to love God. We're unable to have joy in God. We're unable to obey God as He desires us to do. Without grace, we're helpless and hopeless. But God, as verse 4 says, while we were hopeless and helpless, God acts for us. God gave us His Word to inform us. He sent His Holy Spirit to apply that Word to our hearts, to convict us and draw us to Himself. God Gives us faith to believe. And gives us the repentance to turn. By grace, God gives us what we could never achieve ourselves, which is peace with Him and righteousness before Him. And God gives us all of that. And He does it by grace. God freely gives us that salvation he did it he does it not because we do our part and then he does his that wouldn't be grace that would mean we earned it it's not it's not grace at all he didn't do it he doesn't do it because we come halfway and then he comes the other half he certainly doesn't do it because we deserve it. He does it because He is gracious. He does it as as an extension of His character in order to, to show the world how good and gracious and kind and loving He is. Which is precisely why we read here that and this is not your own doing. It is the gift... Of God. If you somehow earn salvation, then this verse is no longer true. It's not your own doing, it is the gift of God. If you earn salvation, then that verse is not true. Paul lied if you earn your salvation. If you did your part for God to save you, then that verse is not true. Paul lied. You played your part, and God responded. Salvation is not a gift. God merely did what He was supposed to do. He didn't give you a gift, but we know this verse is true. We know, Paul, and why it's true, and so we know that salvation is entirely a gift of God, and not by our own doing. Which is why the ground of our salvation is not you. The ground of your salvation is God's wonderful and pervasive grace that He gives to those who believe in Him and trust in Him and look to Him. Those whom He loves and has called according to His name. That is the ground of salvation.
0: It's grace.
2: But then secondly, we see the means of salvation. Faith, Salvation has its means. Our text says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's right. That is the means of salvation. It comes by grace, through the Gospel, and it's apprehended by faith. Faith means simply to to trust, to depend on, to rest in, to commit to. That's what faith means. Faith is merely accepting or receiving the offered blessing of salvation from God. Faith is not the ground of salvation. Grace is. Faith is not a work that we perform. Again, verse 9 tells us we are saved not as a result of works. It's a contradiction to consider faith a work. Faith is it's God given. Faith is it's like our entire salvation. It's a gift from God to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as the redeemer from our sins. One person said, both in its initiation and in its continuation, faith is entirely dependent upon God and so is our complete salvation. This is what what Jesus was explaining to Peter when he, He said to him upon His declaration that that Jesus indeed is the Christ. He said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but My Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. As John MacArthur put it so well, he said, Faith is simply breathing the breath that God's grace supplies. Faith is simply breathing the breath that God's grace supplies. How could it be anything else? How could we, in and of ourselves, begin to trust the One we once avoided, namely God and Jesus? How could we begin to follow the One we once ran away from? How could we begin to love the One we once hated? How can a dead man, as this verse, as chapter 2 calls us, how can a dead man do anything for that matter? A dead man is, is helpless. A dead man can't wave his hand. I mean, if you, if you think about a dead man floating in a river right now, he, he can't wave his hand for a life raft. He can't call out for help. And neither could your dead spirit. God has to do it. God breathes life into your dead bones. And then we cry out, Jesus, save me! Help me! You exercise faith because of what God has done. That's why the Bible says this is not of yourselves. And so often we want to turn faith into a work. Our natural mind likes to twist the grace of God to make it something that we ascend to, that we realize by ourselves. We want to to take faith and make it an achievement. And when we do that, we don't don't enable grace. We, We prohibit it. But yet faith is a necessary means of salvation. We see the grace that that God has lavished upon humanity, and we see the grace that he has done by sending his Son to die on the cross on behalf of sin and to suffer for sins. and we we believe in that, and we trust in that. and we, believe that Jesus died for us and that salvation is appropriated to us. And faith then becomes the means by which we apprehend that grace. And so grace is certainly the grounds, but yet faith is the means through which that grace is applied. And yet we can't take that faith and make it an achievement that we do, that we have accomplished. That we've done anything that we created ourselves because when we do that we don't again enable grace we prohibit it we create stumbling block we create a stumbling block for true salvation which leads us to their third third point the stumbling block of salvation namely yourself the stumbling block of salvation is yourself one of the greatest things that stand between you and God is you. One of the greatest things that stands between you and God is you. Now, when I say you, I mean it in this sense. And, and this is important. I don't, I don't mean you in some, in some self-help fashion. That, you know, if you would just quit doing bad things to yourself, then you could realize all the great potential that God has for you. I don't, I don't mean it that way. I mean it in this sense, when I say you, I mean that you believe that you can work your way to God, you believe that you can be good enough, you believe that if you'll just change a few things about your life, then you're saved, and that is absolutely false. It's not good enough to say that that, you know, I know that I've been doing some of these bad things and I don't I just don't want to do them anymore. I know that God doesn't really like it when I do that, so I'm just gonna quit doing these bad things to show that I'm a Christian and that I'm a good person and, and so see I'm saved because look at look at these great things that I do. It's not, hey, I I go to church and I do this kind of stuff. I read my Bible, so see, I'm a Christian. I've gotta be a Christian. Why? Because of all of these things that I do. Surely God loves me. Surely God cares about me because I'm I'm doing all of these things. That is absolutely false. When we think that way, you become the greatest hindrance to your salvation. And that kind of thinking has to be changed. It has to be repented of. Salvation is by grace. Grace. The very definition of grace nullifies the thought of works. Romans 11.6 says, But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would not be grace.
0: What does he mean? He means that the very definition of grace negates works. You've been listening to a message by Chad Haygood. He's a senior pastor at Grace Life Fellowship Church. I also want to mention today that there's an opportunity for pastors, elders, church leaders to attend a statewide conference on leadership. It's called the Bold Conference, and you can find out information on the Internet at www.boldchurchconference.org. It's being hosted by Highland Park Church in Columbus The featured speaker is Dr. Albert Muller of Southern Seminary. Justin Erickson is a senior pastor at Highland Park Church, and he's been a guest speaker at Nebraska Christian Schools. And we're encouraging everyone to go to the website and encourage their leadership to consider the conference. It's at the end of September, starting the last day in September and going Monday and Tuesday at Highland Park. And again, all the details are at boldchurchconference.org. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth in Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Teeson. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus.